You're listening to the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast with Mark Allred, Court Lalonde, and Rob Tomlin. You can subscribe and rate our show on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Player.fm, SoundCloud.com, and Stitcher Radio. You can support the show financially by going to blackandgoldhockey.com and clicking on the fanatics.com banner before shopping online. You can also purchase exclusive Black and Gold Hockey podcast merchandise in the official B&G shop. And now, time to start the Bruins Hockey Talk from three different countries. Enjoy the show. Everyone's fans, welcome back to the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast, episode 122. Uh, this is April 9th, 2019. Um, a little, we're doing something different here. We are, we are walking away from Skype. Um, really tired of that service, so we've moved on to a, another service that we're trying, and we're also going to get video for for YouTube. So uh, we're trying something different. So the, the 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 listeners have spoken. I've I've gotten a lot of hate mail, which is good feedback, though. It's just it's just good stuff so uh joining me as always is court court how's it going buddy it's going good um it's different (laughs) it is different thank thank god i'm not naked you know (laughs) that's why that's why i said please just make sure that everything's uh uh, classy because this is going to be recorded so i haven't even took the light on so we can even see me better so i know uh but anyway um we are minus one. Uh, Rob is away on vacation, so uh, we are welcoming uh, somebody that I have looked forward to have on. His name is Evan Marinovsky. He is a WEEI intern. He's a producer of the CLNS Media Bruins Beat podcast hosted by Jimmy Murphy and also a writer at CLNS Media. You can find him on Twitter at E. Marinovsky. Evan, my friend, how's it going? It's good. I can't believe I'm finally on this. We tried. What we we tried for uh, earlier in the year, or a couple like a month ago, and it just fell through. It didn't work. Um, and I'm glad I'm here. Um, I couldn't be happier. To and I got to Mark. We've met at development camp. I haven't met Court yet, but I'm glad to you know see him here. It's great. And uh, yeah, I like this. We're on camera. This is a little more pressure, but it's fun. It's like awesome. It. That's awesome. Um, yeah, we got we get about 10 things we're going to discuss tonight, and uh, I'm really happy that you came on and talk about some playoff, like our playoff primer. Um, so oh, and we're, yeah. also, we're also going to have another guest on tomorrow, so which is I'm looking forward to also. Um, but why don't we start off with uh, thoughts on the overall 2018-19 Boston Bruins season, any particular point in the year that you were most impressed with? Um. I would say the fact that the point streak, my biggest takeaway from this year is the point streak really didn't mean a heck of a lot in the long run, the 19-game point streak. 
because in fact it didn't put them ahead of, that much far ahead of everybody. I mean, it separated them from Toronto a little bit, but in reality, all it did was keep them afloat because the division is so good. I think a lot of people discount the Maple Leafs, which we we'll get into later. I bet, um, and I think you know it. The Lightning and the Leafs are so good, and the Bruins are so good that 19 straight games with a point, you know, it didn't gain them any ground on the Lightning, and with the Maple Leafs, it just kind of put them a little bit of ahead. So my biggest takeaway from this year was don't overvalue the point streak. It was nice. It was fun. We, you know, all the winning, woohoo, you know, rah, rah. But in reality, it didn't do a heck of a lot with points. Uh, I would say that was my biggest takeaway from this year. Yeah, I think it was, I think it was even, it only got them four points more closer to Tampa. The oh, whole the gap was crazy. Yeah, like it, it probably is the reason the, uh, the Bruins got maybe home ice because the Leafs did falter and they're still faltering at the end of the season. But my biggest takeaway was next man up. Um, this team this year has just been unreal. Um, usually I always give the excuse. I'm like, you know, injuries, it is what it is. But this year, I don't know, man. Like, a perfect storm. You have Carlo that came out and uh, finally was the guy that everybody touted him to be when he first made the club. Like, I know he wasn't wasn't this big darling when he made the club. But at the same time, his, his rookie season, we're all like, wow, where's this guy? And then, you know, injuries and, and some frustrations played into, played into him. But this year, he's just been rock solid. And then we had McAvoy struggling and then injuries. You think about it, we had Chara out, Bergeron out, what, for 14 games at the same time at one point? Like, that's just crazy to me. Uh, and this team somehow was able to still secure home ice advantage. That's, that's the hu- biggest thing for me this year. We've had Roxanne, like, goaltending has been amazing, both sides, um, especially Halak. But, uh, wow, like the fact that they've been this injured and they're, uh, they're in the playoffs. Look at Anaheim. Anaheim wow. suffered injuries this year and they just fell flat on their face. Boston. Wow, they just stood up. Grizz, it, it worked out for Grizz. That's that's another positive, you know. All these injuries made Grizz stand out more for everybody else and see see what he really was. Because at the beginning of the year, I'm sure, Evan, you were at camp there. He was the seventh defenseman going into the season. Yeah, and, and the thing now, about, yeah, you're right. Grizz, like the, I mean, the way like I always tweet the gifts of him just breaking the puck out of his own end. It's because the way he does it is incredible, and it's something that I, I think he's better than Tori Krug at. And, you know, as you said, Court, the fact that Grizz and Carlo broke out this year, I thought was a huge step in the right direction for this team going forward. Yeah, and for, for me, I got to piggyback on what Court said. It's, it's the injuries. Of that, it's that next man up mentality. Um, the depth of this organization um, just, just showing to everybody, the fan base, the upper management, inner management, lower management, whatever, that this team is, has got what it takes and puts the play – puts players in certain places where they can they can really you know show their best and this team is not doing it by getting players uh, via trade overspending and blah 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 you're doing it by committee and I really like that and it's just especially in the playoffs you have to have that support if if, if somebody happens to go down you know is regardless of the playoffs or regular season it's it's it's, it's so important um, but moving moving forward uh, do you guys like the matchup against the Leafs? And uh, this will be the second time in the last three seasons that these two have met up. And, the, and do you like the playoff structure that the owners and NHLPA have at least agreed to keep the format the same for another season? Um, no, um, especially <laughs> someone. My choice, I live in the GTA, so to me, it's uh, being a Bruins fan and having to see this series is just uh, – it's gut-wrenching every year. Um, 
Marshan said today, I believe, I think it was today when they were interviewing him, he said, we've got to beat the teams anyways. I get that. But I do um, agree with what Stamco's statement was. You shouldn't have these two teams facing off in the first round. Um, you know, they're top five in the league and they, they're going to get knocked out in the first round of the playoffs. Um, but I do get from the NHL owner's perspective, it has created a rivalry. You, I think if you asked any Bruins fan about 10 years ago, if you thought about the Toronto Maple Leafs, you'd say, no, Habs. Now, if you ask Bruins fans who's the rival, the biggest rival for the Boston Bruins, you'd say Habs and Leafs. So the NHL, it has worked. Um, but this matchup scares me because it, has, it reminds me a lot of the Pittsburgh-Washington matchup for years upon years. And eventually, David does beat Goliath. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the other thing is... Um, I think, Court, just to piggyback off that, I think part of the reason fans wouldn't have said Toronto 10 years ago is the fact that Toronto 10 years ago really wasn't great for a little while. Um, you said that 40 years ago. Yeah, as you could. Um, <laughs> 67. But, <laughs> but, no, I think that – I don't like the way the playoff format is because, again, as you said, Court, two top teams are out in the first round – or one top team is out in the first round. Stupid. Um, as far as the matchup goes, I'll just put it as simple as could be. They went to game seven. The Bruins – the Leafs took the Bruins to the third period of game seven last year. And what they added this year was they're a guy who scored 47 goals for them. And that's scary. Um, at, at least it should be for the Bruins. Now, the good thing for the Bruins is that they didn't really add anybody on defense. They added Jake Muzzin. Eh, that's a – or that's a second pairing defenseman who they pretty much have as a, a, a top line guy. Um, so on deep, they, they kind of got, they, it's like they had huge biceps before and small legs before, and all they did was just keep working out on their arms. They didn't really Im- improve where they should have improved. They just got a, another big gun, but I still think, and what's scaring me most is a lot of Bruins people and media are overlooking um, the, the Maple Leafs. It's CLNS. Um, there was a Garden Report video where they said, can the Bruins beat the Lightning? And my first thought was, that's not their biggest thing right now. <laughs> and, and I see that and I'm like, but, you know, I get it. You know, we're, we're, we're all looking ahead to the Lightning, but should we be? And the answer is no. You got to learn to walk before you run. Exactly. And the, Maple, and the Maple Leafs are not a bad team. I mean, they didn't have a great – they had a weird end of the season. They had trouble at TD Garden. Frederick Anderson is here nor there. So I just – I people are overlooking this, and it's going to bite them in the ass at some point, if you like. Um, yeah, but so hope, yeah. hopefully the team isn't, because I 100% – you saw – I'm sure you saw my tweet a couple uh, days ago. I put, I think Boston, Boston Bruins have more pressure going in this series. People lost their mind on me on the internet. I was like <laughs> – but it's true. In now in Toronto right now, if you watch Hockey Central at noon, and, and I, I, I hate saying it, but Toronto media – focuses on hockey and they focus on all of the NHL more than I was just in Boston. I think I, I turned on sports and uh, yeah, there was nothing. Um, There's nothing here. No, 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 no. They are pretty much saying, you know, the Leafs lose this round. It's not that big of a deal that if they get knocked out because they're still part, still part of the five-year rebuild. Um, they keep um, echoing the comments of Dubas saying he would have went all in if he thought this team could win the Stanley cup. He didn't go all in. He acquired Jake Muzzin. Um, you have the coach saying he's not worried about Boston or their fans Uh, The coach verbally calling out his GM twice now in the last um, month about trades that he did or did not make or his farm system. I really think the Bruins have way more pressure going into this series. Um, I do like 
the the uh, interviews I saw today from the players, but at the same time, I'm agreeing. Like I think people need to realize there is a whole series, and this is not going to be a walk in the park. The Leafs don't suck, and they are a top five team in the league for a reason. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, just before, before, just quickly, Mark. Um, yeah. um, I I don't think the players are overlooking it. You know, I like because they're players. I, whereas you have fans on Twitter who are rationally just tweeting things, and you have some media people doing the same thing as well. Um, but uh, <laughs> but no, I don't think the players are are overlooking it. But I think the fans probably are. Yeah, the um, the additions of uh, free agent, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, John Tavares uh, over the summer, and the acquisition of um, Jake Muzzin on defense. I don't think that is enough. I, I understand that this Toronto team is lethal. They have a lot of great complementary pieces, and you got to watch out, no doubt. Evan, you're absolutely right on that one. Um, but I just think that there's you got to question their defense and their goaltending. Um, they just, oh, yeah. you know, they they might be able to to score 12 goals a game, but are they going to be able to stop uh, 40 shots and see what happens with with Frederick Anderson, uh, which uh, he didn't look too good coming at the end of the season. Um, but I'm not buying any, anything into that. It is the postseason. It's a new year. Um, but I, I don't think that they made enough moves uh, to, to cross the threshold in the second round. Uh, I, I still think that the Bruins are going to win this. Um, but, I mean, we'll see what happens. I mean, this this particular series for me just comes right down to goaltending. It, I mean, this is going to be your this is setting your tone for a long playoff run. So we got to definitely see how these how the goaltending does on both sides. And speaking of goaltending, uh, with Coach Cassie seemingly ready to uh, go with either Tuukka Rask or Yaroslav Halak, and at the moment at a moment's notice, who gets the most work in the first round, and how long is that leash? Well, I, I, I think we can all safely say Tuka starting game one. Um, but I don't think the leash is that long. And this is the good thing about this Bruins team this year. Last year, the leash was a lot longer. Because if you noticed, even when Tuka struggled, Bruce looked down the bench and he's like, I'm not throwing that crazy guy in the net. Because <laughs> he's just, as much as the fan base loved to say he was good, he is a very um, Tim, Tim Thomas-style goaltender without the Tim Thomas skill. So exactly. Dobin can make these crazy saves, but he can burn you so much. So I think Tuka's leash is he falters in game one. I um, have a very sinking suspicion Halak gets to start in game two, and he won't even think twice about it. He's just going to treat it like the regular season. Everybody, I was saying it near the end, he went two Tuka, one Halak, two Tuka, one Halak, and it had nothing to do with rest, had everything to do with he's just going to play whoever is gonna, who's going to give him the win. So I really do think that if Tuca falters in game one, which, you know, I think he's got, what, three wins in his last 10. Mm. Um, but then again, Anderson's led in five goals in his last six, so each game. So um, we'll see what happens. But the good news is Halak has played unworldly this year. So he's in Vezina conversations over uh, Tuca here in Toronto right now. Yep. Halak. Yeah, I mean, I, look, um, I'm a Tuka guy, but at the same time, you know, Halak has played better this year. His numbers are better. They're better in goals against, they're better in save percentage, they're better in every advanced statistic pretty much. Uh, you know, I think Cassie's trigger fingers, you said court's going to be quick. I do. I mean, if you look at it, 
He has never hesitated to sit a guy, to bench a guy. I mean, Dave Beckham's going to bench for the first time in his career through casting. It happened a bunch of times this year. Excuse me, healthy scratched. It looks like it's going to happen again, too. Oh, 100% because they want a fast lineup, and I don't blame him. But I think Cassidy's got balls. And, you know, he he was talking to uh, 98.5 the other day, and he was just talking about it. And he said, I'd feel comfortable with either guy in net. Like, if Tuka was hurt and Halak had to start, I think our guys play equally well in front of both goalies. And, you know – I think and it's funny. Jimmy Murphy had an interview with uh, with Tuca earlier in the year, and Tuca basically said it's good we have two goalies because you can use two in the playoffs. And at the time, I thought to myself, the he- "What the hell are you talking about? Like, what do you get a starter? You should." But but for this season, it seems as if, at least as comments to the media indicate, he likes having it's the other guy there. They work off each other, and if they can find a way to get that going in the playoffs, if Tuca's game is off, they'll be fine. Um, but I think they are lucky in that, you know, Rask last year against Toronto was not great, especially in game seven. They're very lucky they have Halak there, who's played at a higher level this year um, and can step right in, I think, and do a, even possibly a better job. And if you look, I believe um, I did I, – sorry, I didn't research before. I, uh, I'm dealing with a sick daughter, but I yeah, believe – um, I hope Halak, she feels better, by the way. Fine. She's, yeah. She's got, she's got um, she's, uh, she's got croups. It's okay. But I believe Cassie split the starts. Like Halak did start against the Leafs this year. And I know, I know the Bruins won all four games and it's almost, I feel like it's a curse. Um, because if you look at it, usually the Leafs destroy the Bruins in the regular season, but, uh, we'll see. I, 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 I'm agreeing with Evan and I, I really do think it doesn't really matter who they throw in net right now at this point. If it's Halak, it's Tuka. I'm okay with it. Um, he calls Tuca his number one, so he'll, Tuca's starting on Thursday. And it's, it's, it's Tuca's to win and it's Tuca's to lose. If he plays bad, he knows he isn't playing the next game. And I think they know this. Um, I, I get this special feeling about this team, but damn, I wish they weren't playing the Leafs in the first round. Everybody, <laughs> if you look at it, most people are calling it in Toronto. They're all calling the Bruins to beat the Leafs, and that's scaring me even more. But if you look at it, anybody that I notice who calls it game seven or calls it seven games, they're – I, it's almost a coin flip. Calling right. it seven games means I could win or lose it. I'm like, whatever. But yeah, I'm saying it's going to be a sweep. Oh, come on. No, I know. I say Bruins. My prediction, I don't know if we get to it later. I'll just go out and say it. It's Bruins and six. But I do think that, like, I, I, and I did a takeaways piece uh, that ran two days ago. That was a fantastic said, piece, by the way. Thank you. Thank you. Um, and you guys have done a fantastic job this year. So I thought I'd thank check you. this out. Um, uh, but I, what I said in it was, Tuka Rask proved nothing this year in that he, he was fine. He's a great regular season goalie. We, we get it. Like, he needs, this needs to be his postseason where he puts the team on his back, has a, has a close to a Tim Thomas-like 2011 performance, and, and help carry this team through some games, especially if they go on to face Tampa. He's going to need to be on his head. And I just – I wonder if he's going to be able to do that. And I know that would get me castrated on Twitter, but I don't care. It's true. He proved nothing this year to me. No, I want I want uh, what was it 2014 when he 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 lit up Pittsburgh and won the series for the Bruins. I want that to 13. 2013. Yeah, this is awesome. Yeah. I I think that we're gonna every time we talk about a player, I think Court's gonna move to a different part of the room. <laughs> Those are great pictures in the background, Court. Yeah, you got Bork back there and Tuca on the other side. Yeah, we hit on Tuca and you moved over. I like it. <laughs> I like it. Awesome. Um, Sean Corrali is uh, returned to practice. Um, he has not have a stick in his hand yet. 
so, but he's still getting there and working out his legs. Um, so hopefully a, a quick return like Pasternak had. Um, but with him coming back, uh, who's the odd man out when he returns, uh, even if he's 100% or healthy enough to return? Um, who's, I mean, for me, it, it's, I just, I get so frustrated with Nordstrom, but I know Cassidy really likes his, his uh, penalty killing skills. Well, I, I would I would think Corrali could fill in on those penalty killing skills. I think it is right now it's Nordstrom, but if the experiment and I'll still call it an experiment because the kids never played a uh, playoff game, but if Coleman doesn't play like he's been playing and it's because playoffs are totally different, look at Ryan Donato last year, then it's Coleman coming out of the lineup, and Donato goes up on that second line, or Pasternak goes in the second line, and Donato I mean uh, Heinen goes up on that first line because Nordy's got playoff experience. And this is the playoffs. We've seen every coach in the world play kids. And as soon as the playoffs come, they don't play kids anymore. It's a different game, right? But what Butch said today, uh, he's going with speed. That's, that's how he's going to be playing the Toronto Leafs. And that's how he should play the Toronto Maple Leafs. Because everybody's talking about Tavares and Matthews. I, the wild card is their best player is Mitch Marner. And no one's talking about him. Like I've seen he's so many people points, put out. Right? Yeah, Marner's, Marner's unreal. I've watched a lot of Leaf games. That kid is something special. Um, if Leaf fans think they're getting him for nothing next year, that's, it's going to be funny. Uh, but uh, I think the, the, the factors for them are Anderson, Marner, and Kadri. That's just your factors for the Leafs. And you need speed to keep up with those guys. Plain and simple. Yeah. So it's either Nordy or Kuhlman. I don't see anybody else coming out. I'm with you on that. I, I think Nordstrom is useless. I know he's good in penalty kills. I just haven't been able to wrap myself around him this year just doesn't do it for me he's just kind of invisible and Coleman I don't like Carson Coleman yes great last couple regular season games that's fine but I don't understand why like there's this thing in this town where people are losing their minds over Carson Coleman like he's the second coming and he had five points in 11 games solid he looked okay next to Krejci fine solid four checker but at the same time it's like I, the playoffs as you said quarter different animal the playoffs are a wholly different thing. And and I I don't know about you guys, but a second line of Krejci, DeBrusque, and Coleman, I'm not a huge fan of their chances. And I'm going to look past the Leafs here. I'm not a huge fan of their chances against the Lightning. You're going to tell me that Carson Coleman's going to help put – that line of Coleman, Krejci, and DeBrusque is going to help put you over a team like the Lightning or even the Leafs. Well, yeah, look at the Leafs' second line is Johansson, Matthews, and Kapanen. That's yep. speed, scoring, and speed. And then your second pairing D is Muzzin and Zaitsev. You're telling me that our second line, I'm agreeing with you, Evan, does not match up with the Leafs' second line. Our first, the, the, Bruin, the, the Leafs' first line, I've got the lines in front of me here. So you got Hyman, Tavares, and Marner at your first line. I, even though Marner's probably the best guy in the Leafs, he's still not better than the Bruins' first line. And I, I would say Bergeron's the best player in this series. But then our second line is not as good as theirs. I, I think Marlo, Kadri, and Nylander, our third line, I think we match up. Um, Kadri is a wild card because he can, I think, when we play in Toronto, that Mar Marlo, Kadri, Nylander line might look a little different because Kadri's going to be out there every single time Patrice Bergeron touches that ice. Mm -hmm. Every time. And what we need to realize is what we, I would like to see is the crazy matchups we're going to see from Bruce. Um, he's, he was doing matchups last year. Let's see who he has against what like last year was Bergeron against Matthews well is he going to have Bergeron against Tavares and then have like that's where we need Corrali back because then you have Corrali going against 
one of these guys. Yeah, because that fourth line went against the top lines for a lot of teams. That started every game. Yep. So it's it's Corrali to me. I, I even put it out there on Twitter and asked the question, and a lot of people were picking Miller, but Corrali won. He's the one, damn, he went down. I'm like, we really need him back. And from what I've heard from talking to some people in the, on the club, he, he's, he's, you know, he, he third, fourth, fifth game, end of the series, nowhere close to the beginning of the series. Yeah. There's, uh, there's also another report out there that Miller could um, not make the playoffs at all. So that still that that remains up in the air at this point. Yeah, I mean that, the Kevin Miller thing's like sucks and all. It's it's not good for the Bruins, but at the same time, like you know Connor Clifton slots in there again. I know he's a younger guy, but you know a, de- a defense. I think it's a little bit different for younger guys, and I think with a guy like Connor Clifton, he's a hard hitter like Miller is, and I think he moves the puck a little bit better. So I I'm again at court. I think as you said, I would m- much rather. I was more mad at the Corrali news than I was the Kevin Miller news because with defensemen it's a little bit different. On offense, it's much it's 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 a whole different ball game. So I think that yeah, um, it, I think Connor Clifton could probably slot in there for uh, for Kevin Miller. Especially in the, in the playoffs, we're going to see Carlo Krug, McAvoy, and Chara eat up ninety percent of the minutes. Yes, they're just oh. going to be on the ice the whole time because we all know Clifton likes to throw big hits. I'm really scared to see, and I, 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 I've given it, given it here. He's going to go for a hit. He's going to miss because he's got the jitters, and the Leafs going to have a breakaway. It's just I can just see it already because he's going to go I for that big it. hit. It's just like I was talking to a friend. The thing that scares me the most against the Toronto Maple Leafs because of the speed is our power play giving up breakaways. Oh, it's I'm like having oh. nightmares about it. I'm just I, it's I have coming. Over you know what it is. <laughs> over under bed already with my cousin on shorthanded goals, and he's like, "Why do you want to take the?" I'm like, "Why are you taking the over?" I'm like, "Oh, because it's just I swear the Leafs are gonna source some shorties. It's gonna be bad. <laughs> it's gonna happen. Yeah, it's gonna happen. They, what the Bruins at 15 or 16 this year? Yeah, and you know, it, yeah, I, I was reading some today, and it was. And they were talking about it. And I agree that the stats look bad because, you know, Halak had three of them out of the 15. But at the same time, the breakaway is all advantage to the shooter. Mm-hmm. And if Toronto oh, yeah. Leafs are on breakaways and it's Nylander, Matthews, Marner, or Tavares, uh, Jesus. Especially if that's in Toronto. That's, a, uh, that's awful. Well, yeah. You know what? Toronto isn't the madhouse you think it is. The first, like, 15, 20 rows in is just people in suits wanting to be seen at the Toronto Maple Leaf game. <laughs> but up top, people love it, yes. It's, it's the crowd I, outside at the Leaf game. Like, you notice whenever we see those videos about Game 7 and all that, when they had the collapse the last two times we played them, it's always showing the people outside. They never show the people in the rink. <laughs> uh, moving on to another topic that I've found interesting, and I'm not – this is no way bashing Cassidy at all, but – and, and if, we, <clears throat> if we did bring it up, I apologize. But uh, Cassidy mentioned that the Leafs are a fast team and that David Backus will most likely be a healthy scratch uh, in Game 1. What kind of message does that send to a veteran forward like him? And is it enough to spark a whole new David Backus if and when he's called upon? Um, yeah, I, I think Backus has – I don't think Backus has played particularly bad since his benching and since his one-on-one with Bruce. But, you know, um, you know me. I'm going to agree, um, especially with Bruce. Um, you know, it's that thing. Uh, but uh, I, his speed isn't there. I see Bacchus being huge if they go on further in the playoffs, 
um, because you're going to be slowed down. But the Leafs aren't a hard-hitting team. They're a very soft team. They have one – they have two, two guys now. They have Muzzin and they have Kadri. Other than that, they have guys that are going to avoid hits like the plague. So a guy like Bacchus, his intimidation factor and his pushing people around and getting in front of the net doesn't do anything against the Toronto Maple Leafs. Yeah, I don't know if there's much more to Bacchus's game that, that could be sparked. I mean, the guy's slow. The, the NHL has moved away from him. I mean, you know, there's only so many times you can get a chance at putting back a rebound or, or, or boxing a guy out in front of the net. I, I don't know if there's much more to his game, you know, that, that uh, uh, watching from the ninth floor is going to, you know, spark out of him. It's not like he's, you know, it's, as Court said, it's not like he's been playing terrible. It's just that this – the sport is moving away from him. It's the same with Milan Lucic. It's the same with these big lugs who were these power forwards who were slower but could keep up because they could just hit people. It's so much different now. And I think a guy like Bacchus – I mean, again, my thought on Bacchus is I think he's going to be, you know, unless he's that enforcer, which I'm not a fan of either because the guy has a million concussions. Um, I just think that he, uh, it, dare I say it, is going to – in the next couple of years, and it already is, is being a little bit useless. And I don't think uh, uh, being a healthy scratch is really going to change a lot. Yeah, and, and just having him around is good enough. I, it sounds weird, but just having him in the room and being able to talk to the guys. Like when I ran into them in Toronto, and I, I could see, um, I was saying to Mark and Evan, I saw them all at the hotel, and you could see the clicks. And oddly enough, as I, I told Mark everything that I noticed, the guys that didn't hang out with the group of guys, they're no longer on this team or they're in Providence. Really? So, yeah. Every I even I called. I said to Mark, I was like, I watched certain guys walk out of the hotel by themselves. I watched certain guys not hang out with certain guys, and all those guys are not on the roster right now. Not interesting. So That's interesting. It's well, if you you guys have seen the interviews in the dressing rooms, they all keep talking about their group this year. They're a group this year. Like yeah, when, it's all about family. When Marshan jokingly but half jokingly went after Hags on Twitter, that was because <laughs> he was sticking up for his boy. He's yeah. straight up said it. He's like, nothing against Hags personally, um, but professionally, you're wrong. That's pretty much how he said it. Um, these guys, that's the one thing I was like, it's, it's this thing they have this year. And a guy like Bacchus, you're going to need him. Say they play a team like Pittsburgh or a slower team, that's when Bacchus comes into play. Um, he could even play against the Tampa Bay Lightning, but a team like the Toronto Maple Leafs, even if they play a team like the Carolina Hurricanes, you couldn't put Bacchus in against the Hurricanes. They're too fast for him. Yeah, it is. But that's the good thing. We have guys that we can put in and put out based on situations. And one of those situations, I'm going to jump a topic here is, is does veteran defenseman Stephen Camper deserve bottom pairing minutes over a younger blue liner like Clifton, who I thought played well in his in the NHL time and, and definitely down at the AHL. I don't know. No. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. See, I, I no, don't think he does either. I, I read the Fluto Shinzawa piece in The Athletic about Camper being a healthy scratch and what it's like, and you feel bad for him. But at the same time, it's like when he's out there, it's just – it's like having a younger guy out there. If you're sitting all that time – like Connor Clifton's been playing in Providence all year. You're playing. You're constantly playing. You can be young and have the jitters because it's the playoffs, but you, at least you've been playing. Camper's been practicing. He hasn't really been playing that much. And – I just I, – I don't see a lot of value in Stephen Camper except that, you know, in a mid-February game when you're down to 5D, you can dress him and throw him out there for, you know, 14 minutes a night and 
you know, hope and pray that when you get in your own zone, he doesn't mess up. So I, to me, no, I, I, I have no real value for Stephen Camper in this series other than he's kind of a nice guy, but that's it. Yeah. And oddly enough, the people dumping on Sweeney for the John Moore signing, even though he's injured right now, he's a guy we could have used at this point in time. It's just like you could throw him in another lineup over Camper because we all thought it when the whole trade happened for Adam McQuaid, it was a salary dump and Camper was just a body that needed to be thrown the other way. And all of a sudden he gets to play good for him, but yeah. you know, he can, I'd rather him, I'd rather Clifton on the ice than Camper. I have yeah. no use for Stephen Camper. Sorry. <laughs> um, and it, it, we're talking about defensemen and you brought up John Moore, but where does John Moore fit in when in the postseason lineup, when he returns healthy, as he's another player that's been practicing recently. I, you put him in and out depending on uh, injuries. He's not, he's not your top six. Um, so you, Grizz goes in over more, and you know at the beginning of the year I was a uh, Grizz is overrated. Um, Grizz beat him out. So as to me, he's your, he's, your, he's your fourth guy on the left side. So he goes in if someone goes down. Otherwise, he watches from above. Yeah, I mean, again um... – I think it depends on A, matchups, which I don't think favor him at all. And I think B, it's just the fact that if Clifton goes out there and plays great, um, they're going to, if the six go out in the first couple games and play great, he's not going to change it for, you know, a guy coming back from injury like John Moore. I mean, if it was Brandon Carlo, you'd, you'd, you'd insert him back in without problem. But if this six does fine in the first few games, there's not really going to be a need to, slot John Moore in. I just, is, I don't, I don't, I don't, again, he's one of those guys, like just, just a body, you know, he's all, he's all right, but um, it's depth and he's not in the top six right now. And as you said, court, Chris, like beat him out and right. So. Ah, uh, and, and to touch it. I know we talked about Kuhlman a little bit, but thoughts on the youth during the regular season and those players um, in the postseason that are going to get another chance like the Grizzlick and first timer appearance with Carson Coleman. Um, what do you guys feel about this turnaround with these guys having uh, playoff experience under their belt and a little more maturity, uh, especially like uh, DeBrusque and Heinen and Grizz? Well, I think DeBrusque proved to us all last year that he's a playoff performer. Player. So, so I'm, uh, I'm not too worried about him. He's the only th he's Krejci having a great year. I I'm still scared about Coleman on that right side. Uh, especially matching up against the Leafs' second line. But uh, I want McAvoy from the first playoffs against uh, the Ottawa Senators, where he was lights out. I want that McAvoy, and I want Carlo throughout the whole season. I want to see what Carlo can do. I think he's the wild card of those young kids because he is our best penalty killer besides Charles Stick, and it's just, he's unreal. So I think defense is the key to beating the Toronto Maple Leafs. We know that our first line can score. We know Krejci can get, get points on that board. We know DeBrus can, can play. I have a sinking suspicion that that line of Johansson and uh, Coyle is going to be, to say it properly, wicked good. I, wicked. I, really, I really think because they're going to get the, the favorable matchups, uh, a guy like Johansson is great with the puck. And as you can see, um, Coyle, he's so good in the corners. I really think that line is going to be our wild card with our defense. So that's just the way I look at it. But the kids is what it is, man. It's kids in the playoffs. We all know we're going to be talking about our first line. You're not going to be talking about these kids. 
Right. Yeah. What's funny is you mentioned um, the Coyle and Johansson line, and it's funny. I was, I, I was, uh, Matt Castle today, he's beyond tomorrow, tweeted what he, him asking Bruce Cassidy a question about his confidence in the first line. And initially, I was like, this is the stupidest question ever. Why the hell are you asking about the confidence in the first line? Like, what are you, what are you gonna say? Oh, they suck. No, they're good. They like there's no <laughs> confidence level. No duh. Like what a dumb question. But what came out of a very dumb question was. <laughs> I think it's true. No, I love Matt, and Matt knows this. Um, this is why I, I wanted to have them both on at the same time, because the chemistry yeah. between these guys. Not hey, that there's anything wrong with that. WEI has taught me anything. It's not to be afraid of conflict. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but what I will say is he, the, the question got a somewhat important answer that's true, and that is it doesn't even in, – in the playoffs, the first line sort of cancel out. It comes down to depth. And for guys like Coyle and Johansson, who get favorable matchups, as Court said, you know, you're, they're going to be the ones that might be relied upon to be a little bit of the X factors on offense. Because if you have these, these top forwards cancel each other out, then it comes down, okay, how about your third and fourth line? And I think the Bruins do have a solid third line. And if Crowley comes back, they have an even better fourth line. And so that's sort of my thoughts on that. When it comes to the young kids, um, again, Carlos the X factor. And I think there were a lot of young kids they brought up this year who just didn't follow the Cassidy way. They didn't follow the system. You know, guys like Peter Kulhart. Yeah, like guys <laughs> like that. Like, get off the ice. What are you doing? It's a, in the third period, you know, just lost in their own defensive zone. Um, guys like that. If I see Anton bleed up one more time, I think I'm going to bleed. Um, <laughs> no fun. <laughs> but, but it's just it's just a, li- it's a little much. But I think overall, you know, I think Heinen took a little bit of a step back this year. Um, but I expected that. I thought all along after last year, I said, okay, Heinen, I think he had like 40 something points last year. My first thought was trade him. He didn't seem like a guy who was going to keep repeating that. And he regressed a little bit this year. Didn't really have a good first half. Um, but guys like DeBrusque, um, Carlo, I think nobody's stock rose higher this year than Brandon Carlo. I mean, I think like a few years ago it was trade that kid, trade him now. There was a rumor that I think somewhat some reporter from um, <clears throat> CSN uh, Joe Haggerty reported um, that uh, they were sending him to Colorado for Gabe Landeskog. And I remember at the time being like, oh, yeah, wouldn't be good. Now I'd be like, don't do that. Like, what are you doing? Um, so, Carl, yeah, I don't think anyone's stock rose higher this year than uh, the Brandon Carlo. Yeah, when you, t- when you guys mentioned Charlie Coyle, um, I'm starting to see more and more positive things about his game, which, believe it or not, Corn, <laughs> it's not about points. But it isn't. It never is. Right. I know. I know. And I'm starting to learn that. I'm an, I'm an, old, I'm an old guy <laughs> that's really stubborn. But um, I am too. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah, but you're also a lot younger than I am. <laughs> um, but uh, my thing is with, with Coyle and, and from a lot of people that I, I've read and that wrote about him and what the style that he plays is. And also another thing is um, somebody said on the podcast that I wasn't sure about it. I'm not sure who said it. I wish I remembered. But anyway, um, one of his coaches says it's not about points all the time. It's it's how much of an impact you make on that particular game. You know, so I'm starting to get that. And I can see his style is increasingly getting better as a third line center along the boards and in those gritty areas where his body's really valued um, and and getting get tracking pucks and so on. He's you know he's starting to get really comfortable being back in Boston and with his new team. So things are looking good, and hopefully we get to see 
a more point productive uh, trial coil in the postseason. So, which is always good with, you know, cause it's to me games still need goals to win. So, but I mean, overall, I'm pretty, free. I'm pretty happy with the deal. Well, I'd, so, sorry. Some of the biggest things you got to remember about the playoffs is winning faceoffs, right? Yeah. Probably Coyle wins faceoffs. Also, some of the biggest things about the playoffs is puck control. Charlie Coyle is hard to take off the puck. Yeah. And then you have a guy like Johansson, who's a proven playoff performer. I'm agreeing with Evan. This line can be the scary line. Yeah, they, definitely. They could, they could be that line that could, that could help us walk away with beating Toronto. Because if they don't start, if that line doesn't work, we're, we're, we're going to have trouble. We're going to have a lot of trouble. Agreed. And the one thing I like about that whole thing is, is if it doesn't work, Cassie just seems to be that mastermind of, of shuffling on the fly, you know, and trying to find oh, yeah. stuff is trying to find things that work that gel that, you know, try to find that little bit of chemistry. And I think he did a lot of that towards the end of the regular season when he was trying to put in, uh, you know, the Coleman's and this and that and trying to put him in different situations to see if there's anything that can be brought into the postseason that he could possibly look at at, at a future angle. But um, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of good things that are coming down the wire. So, well, he's um, got- Bruce has got his favorites, right? Like we all know Heinen's one of his favorites. I know you were saying he did regress points wise this year, um, but his defensive game was second to none. I, I think he's turning into that guy where Bruce is grooming him to be that third line winger and second penalty kill guy that he can throw out there in any, any time, throw him on the power play. He could be that guy. He Boston Bruins hockey, as much as everybody loves these kids, it it's mind boggling. We've all watched this, this, franchise in this system for so many years if you can't play defense you can't play on the boston bruins no matter how many goals you score right and even with the change of systems with cassidy i mean even though it's not clothes bruins where it's like you can't you know like these young guys would be sent to siberia if they couldn't uh, play in their own zone it's still very heavy defensive zone coverage-esque and i think that you know that's something that's never going to change with the bruins you're never going to be you know, the high-flying offense. It's going to be still centered around uh, defensive zone, which is what they are right now. Yep. Aggressive four-check. Exactly. Yes. Well, this is my last one. It's a pretty easy one. And I know, Evan, that you said something about it earlier, but what are your Bruins leave playoff predictions? Uh, I got Bruins in seven, uh, but I already said that because mine's a coin flip here. I People will get mad at me, but I, I still can't really pick a winner, but – because they're my team, I'm picking Bruins in seven. I'm picking Bruins in six, but – and I've been waiting for this. I thought about this all day if I was actually going to say it because I'm thinking about it today, and I don't know why I'm thinking about it. So I'm going to pick Bruins in six. However, there's one take I want to unveil to you guys because no one's talking about this, and it'll get ripped, and I don't care. I'm throwing it out there. I don't think it would be bad for the Bruins to lose this series or to blow, to blow it in the series because – this would be the biggest reality slap in the face to them to get, to get their act together if they lost this series or lost it by – and here's my thought process on this. In 09-10 when they lost to the Flyers after being up 3-0, they lost. The next year they won the Cup. Mark Recchi came out and even said, we would not have won the Cup had we not lost to the Flyers last year. This team really hasn't faced – adversity yet true true adversity aside from injuries i mean like playoff adversity i mean last year they they beat the leafs in an exciting seven game series and then they got their ass sanitum by the lightning and rightfully so that lightning team was much better it still really is 
but I think when it comes to this to this team, to this bunch, aside from the veterans, I mean like the kids, I don't think it would hurt them to have a moment of angst, a moment of diversity, adversity, not diversity, <laughs> adversity right. in this series. Not saying I want them to lose. Um, my pick is the Bruins in six. I don't think they lose this series, but I don't think it would be bad if they did for their long-term um, success, long-term development of these kids. If your take is real, can we avoid social media for like – <laughs> like I, I've, I've muted, I would never tweet that. I would never. I, I, I've, no, 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 no. But I, I'm saying I've muted so many people. And I don't care. I, I just do it. I instead of even like having the conversation now, it's like if I see something stupid come back that's not even an intelligent conversation, it's like ah, you're done. I, I, I can't even have it anymore. Like if you if your first tweet to me is so and so sucks, I'm like all right, there's intelligence right there. <laughs> Glad it's smart. Yeah, <laughs> uh, wicked, wicked smart, wicked, wicked. Yeah, I, I am going uh, Bruins in six. I really do like it. But you know, to jump on Evan's uh, point, though, I um, I can see where you could go in with that. If they if it if they don't go to the second round, um, then there's a really good reason why I think Chara was resigned for another year because they can they could really use him and go for it next season. And I, I, I continue to harp on how important this offseason is. And, and Court was talking about uh, in previous episodes a while back that the draft is going to be important um, for future sustainability of this club. And, you know, any assets could be used if, if things don't. If, I mean, as of right now, you're in the playoffs. So if you don't make the Stanley Cup, then you should evaluate accordingly uh, over the offseason to prepare yourself to put a team together that can get back into the Stanley Cup playoffs and, and, and possibly being another cup like they did in 2011. But, oh, yeah. But with that – land. Exactly. Uh, but with that, I, I, I am completely out of questions. I think that we've uh, eaten up enough of um, Evan and, and Court's time. But, uh, Evan, thank you very much for coming on. I appreciate it. Yeah. No, nope. uh, anytime – I'm actually going to be – I'm going to be at game one and two, not with CLNS, so I'll be with WEI, um, helping out Kalman. Um, oh, geez. You're going to have to go get his food for him. I, no. You know what's funny? <laughs> you know what's funny? This can end the podcast, but you know what's funny? I uh, – my time as an intern um, was with Kirk and Callahan. That was my intern time. Ever, t- ever since, it's been like a normal, like, worker. And it's – when I interned there, it was, a, it was a lot of bitch work. And so <laughs> – um that's I like whenever you say that i just get ptsd no i'm joking i'm joking i'm, jo- I'm sorry I, I was just kidding no, that's I, that's a really good guy it's just no, oh, I'm, good. oh i i no, i know um yeah matt's that's that's funny um yeah that's matt that's I, dry he's funny i was creeping him at the the bruins game i was trying to take pictures but there was a there was an awning in the way i was trying to like zoom in on him while watching the game and he was yawning because it was the florida game. It, was bad. it was a bad game not on him it was a very yeah. bad hockey game. I was trying to zoom in and then throw it out on Twitter and go, look who I found. But I couldn't. I was, like, messaging him. I'm like, I can see you. Because that's <laughs> how the game was, that I was starting to, like, look for people in the uh, the media section. What game was that? Uh, the Florida game a couple weeks ago. I oh. was – yeah, I went to practice, too, and it's funny. Matt Castle takes a – he takes a photo, and pretty much I'm literally to the left. He almost, like I, – I joked around. I was like, you cropped me out of that photo. <laughs> <laughs> of course he did. Yeah. Well, because I was off behind, I and then I moved, and I was off behind the net, and it was funny. Some of the some of the people we know up up top on the ninth, they come over. They're like, "How'd you get over there?" I'm like, 
I know peeps. <laughs> um, Court knows everybody. Somehow, does. I don't know why. It's he does. Weird. He's got family everywhere. I can contest to that. Uh, real quick, the uh, the Bruins schedule is uh, Thursday, April 11th at, uh, at TD. Saturday, April 13th at TD. Monday, April 15th in Toronto. And then it's uh, the Thursday, April 18th in Toronto. And then the uh, to-be-determined games, 5, 6, and 7 go accordingly. Uh, Saturday, the 20th, 420, smoke it up. And uh, <laughs> in Canada, it's legal. So, yeah. Right? It is a Massachusetts. And uh, game seven Wednesday, the 24th in Boston. So, Bruins have home ice advantage. Hopefully, it all works out. Evan, it's almost like thank- I was right about that schedule, eh, Mark? I, I know, right? That's crazy. And, and not only that, Celine Dion's in Toronto, too, by the way, which well, kind of moved everything around. Evan, I got the schedule like a week ago, and I tweeted it to Mark. I sent it to Mark, and then everybody starts to like, no, this is the schedule. Like, <laughs> I called an idiot like four or five times. Like, you know what? I'm done with it. All right. I'm an idiot. Yep. I'm like, I'm the idiot. The uh, but it's um, funny, Court, you mentioned the Florida game. That game was like afternoon, right? Yeah, yep. it was the worst um, game I've ever seen live. <laughs> yeah, I, I watched a couple period. I watched like a period. And I'm at UMass Amherst, so we like to party. You know how it is. <laughs> I, was, I, was, I was somewhere else just absolutely three sheets to the wind hammered. And I could not have cared less about that game, but I'm glad it sucked because I didn't watch it. I wish it was good for you to at least. It was so bad. I even got a text message from a family member who's who's close in the Bruins organization that apologized for that game. Ouch. Yeah, like lit up like, I'm sorry you came all this way for that game. I hope the trip was worth it. I would have said, you know, there's always playoff tickets that you can get me. (laughs) (laughs) But any – Anyway, Evan is a writer for uh, – he's an intern for WEEI. He's a producer of the uh, CLNS Media Bruins Beat Podcast with host Jimmy Murphy. He's also a writer at CLNS, and he, you can find him on Twitter at E. Marinovsky. Evan, thank you so much. Court, thank you so much. Uh, this is a, our, our first uh, try at this new, this new uh, technology, so hopefully everybody likes it and – and the uh, the hate mail can stop a little bit. <laughs> Luckily, you had the two most beautiful Bruins personalities on in Bruins Nation, me and Court. Oh, so, wow. Thanks. Thank you, guys. Thanks. No, no love for the big, uh, you know, old fat guy, right? <laughs> you too. <laughs> I was saying, hey, yes. Mark, I'm not no spring chicken either, right? I hear you. You haven't been skating either, so. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, no, Mark, I'm not fat. Yeah. No, I know. I know. You still go to the gym every day. Yeah. I just think about it. Same. <laughs> All right, guys. Thank you so much. Uh, everybody, thank you so much for listening. We really appreciate it. I forgot to mention the uh, Seat Giant um, Bruins playoffs tickets, Celtics tickets, Red Sox tickets, or concert or theater tickets. Please go to SeatGiant.com or SeatGiant.ca and use discount code BNGP. Save a little cash. That's BNGP to save some cash. Thank you very much. We will have Matt Castle. He's the uh, NBC Boston uh, production assistant, and he's also a writer, beat writer over at Bruins Daily. So we will have him on tomorrow. Uh, Stay tuned for that as we get into number two of the playoff primer, leading you up to Thursday's puck drop at TD Garden against the Boston Bruins and the Toronto Maple Leafs. Anyway, thank you very much. We'll see you tomorrow. Peace out. Thanks for tuning in to this week's show. You can follow the guys on Twitter at Black and Gold 
at Court Lalonde and at Rob Forty Bruins. You can also send us an email to the show's account at blackandgoldhockeyblog at gmail.com.